0: If you brought your Bibles, you can open them to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to kind of land there uh, eventually today. A couple of weeks ago, we got a new teaching series uh, called Rhythm. It's something that uh, when we talked through Mark last year, I I just saw this this pattern, this rhythm of of Jesus' life. um, And and, uh, and rhythm is just kind of about timing and patterns and pulse and tempo. And maybe ask questions are... Uh, are we really in rhythm with our spouse and with our coworkers, our family? In rhythm, are we in rhythm with with our church? Are we are we in 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 time, in, in tempo? Are, are our lives in rhythm with with God? And uh, in Mark, in chapter one, in, in verses thirty five through thirty nine, we we have this great example of Jesus. Um, uh, he he is about his work, he is about his ministry, and then there are moments in Mark that that frankly he just disappears. Uh, and the disciples, there's, there's almost a, an anxiousness, a, a panic from the disciples because they can't find him. And when they finally find him, they say, where were you? We were looking for you. And Jesus had, had gone away. He, he was about his work and people were always crowding around him. But he also makes these moments where he gets away from it all, these moments of, of rest. And there are these moments, too, of moments of, of, of prayer. And, and I see in that, I saw in that the, this kind of rhythm of, of work and rest. And prayer. And so that's what we've been talking about. Last week, we talked about uh, we, we talked about work. Um, and, and I think there needs to be a balance of the three of work and resting and praying. And uh, last week, I told you, man, we, we talked about work, and I love talking about work. I used a phrase uh, from kind of a pioneer phrase, kind of an off-the-grid living kind of phrase of uh, chop wood and, and carry water. It, it just means that 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 we're we're designed for work and and work has this humbling effect on us it, it makes our our it, it somehow gives us can can give us alignment with priorities especially when we work as if for the lord and and this is a very scriptural idea of of remember you may be doing the same task as the person in the cubicle next to you but the reason the motivation you do those tasks is different and profoundly different and, and it says something about your work for the lord and so uh, the scripture says work willingly and work enthusiastically. And, and, and I like talking about work because I like to work and I like calluses and, and, and I like that, that sleep after a hard day's work. You know, like that, I needed that, that, that sleep. But I see, in, I see in Jesus' life this rhythm of work and man, he works, but he also has a rhythm of rest, and so this week we're gonna talk about rest and I hate talking about rest. <laughs> uh, this is the blind leading the blind this week because I'm, I'm no good at rest and, 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 and I don't like rest. And there's a couple of reasons why I wanna show you an image. For, uh, for some of you, this picture is where you would be, like to be right this moment. For a, we got hands raised. We sing in oceans, but man, hands raised for the beach. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I, I know for some of you, this is your idea of a perfect vacation, and, and I think you're demented. I, I, know, I know, I know this is Adam's, Adam, just me speaking here is not scripture. Um, I, I have done this, I've done this with my, and my wife is on the second row right now And she will tell you, I don't do this well. Um, Yeah, I know. We lived at the beach. And and we go to the beach. And I sit in that chair for about five or ten minutes. And I just can't take it anymore. Um, I've asked some of you after your vacations to the beach, what did you do? And you said, nothing. It was great. And I think, what is wrong with you? I don't want to go on vacation and do nothing I want to go on vacation and do something and so when we take even our family church to the beach Amy is Amy this is Amy's spot and I am kids let's build a sandcastle. kids let's learn to surf kids let's uh run up and let's work out kids let's you know and i'm I'm constantly doing kids uh, there's there's something wrong with me I know, I, I know and I know you know um because I, I, there's some part of me that, that feels like this is, um, that, that resting is wasting. And, and, and some of you are, 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 are like me a little bit in that way. If I told you, said, hey, I want you to just find a rhythm of work, you could fall right into that. It'd be, that would happen easily and naturally. And then some of you are wired like this. Go ahead and show that. I think there's a, another image up there. Some, this is some of you already. I already want to take a nap tomorrow. I hate naps. Naps seem to me like a colossal waste of time. You can nap when you're dead. Like uh, it, it just seems. And the worst thing a doctor can say to me is, "Well, well, you you just really need rest." Ah, uh, just kill me now. Because I, I don't I don't like rest. I I I know some of you are already, there were some jokes about this teaching today of inviting pillo- people to bring pillows and blankets. And when well, we're talking about rest, you don't need that. Some of you are already asleep. <laughs> You're not even waiting until Sunday afternoon. But this idea of rest is is a deeply like work. Uh, like when I started began to study about work and what the what Scripture had to say about work, man, there's a lot more than I thought. Uh, and and rest is the same way. Scripture says a lot about rest. And uh, e- even from the beginning in Genesis, on the seventh day, God rested. The word is is Sabbath. It made me remember. Uh, yeah, it was a long time ago, and 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 I barely remember, but. But when I was a kid, there was a time on Sundays when Chick-fil-A wasn't the only thing closed. You guys remember this? Some of you, everything didn't everything used to be closed on Sunday. It was the most boring day of the week. Um, it, everything was closed because there was this sense in the in the community of of stopping, of of ceasing, of of, of resting. It's, Surprisingly, like the world still functioned and people still lived. It would seem crazy today if we did that right or suggested that. But even Jesus gives us this example in Mark chapter 6 verse 31. Jesus says, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and what's the word? And rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So Jesus knew how to work. And, and throughout his ministry, people are constantly coming. He's teaching and healing and, and serving and traveling. He, he knows how to work, but he also makes this priority for rest. Jesus was fully human, became tired. He needed, he pursued rest. But maybe most powerfully, and where I want us to land today, is uh, Matthew chapter 11. The context is, uh, is Jesus is... is Chapter is tough. Jesus is saying this tough prayer, really, really, and truly directed towards unbelievers, to so people who uh, he's he's been sharing the good news of Jesus. Christ. He's been sharing the good news of God with them, and 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 they're they're not being receptive to it at all. And Jesus says this prayer. In this prayer, he he says these incredible, incredible words. J um, H. Uh, uh, Jowett, widely, in in reference to these words of Jesus said, this exquisite passage is like a flower which one is almost afraid to touch, lest he should spoil the delicate bloom. Yet to disturb the flower may awake a fragrance and distribute it to others. Again, I got into something here with these couple of verses of Jesus that that is way over my head when I began to unpack these words. um, Charles Spurgeon, I know a Baptist guy, but this great Baptist theologian and writer and speaker and, and teacher, he preached more than a dozen times on these two verses alone and said no one could preach on it too much. So all of a sudden I came to these words with like, whoa, these are heavy words. Let me read them to you. Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 and 29 Jesus said in this great prayer come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy heavy burdens and I will give you what's the word rest take my yoke upon you let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls I don't normally do this, but I want to use the Eugene Peterson from the message. Uh, I want to share this version with you too because I think it's, it's, these are such powerful words. Go ahead and put that next slide up there. Uh, I know some of you, the message, I don't know, it's not for me. Man, the message is, is legit stuff. Eugene Peterson is a legit scholar. The, the, these, are, these are powerful words that resonate. Look at, look at how Eugene uh, Peterson translated this. He said, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnout out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms. There's that word, rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live Freely lightly. These are beautiful, powerful words. I can see why, why Spurgeon spent so much time on them and said, you couldn't preach on this enough. So what can we learn about rest? And, and what does Jesus' teaching have to tell us about rest? Why, why is rest so important? And, and what does is, what is rest um, stir up in us? What does is, what is the idea of rest confront in us? Recently, uh, I went and preached at my home church in, in Birmingham on uh, Psalm 46. Uh, you know, Psalm 46, verse 10: "Be still and know that I am God." You've, you guys have heard this, and uh, I, and I just got to share this with my home church. It was awesome. The the Hebrew word here for "still" means to to cease and desist. It it literally means that that "be still" means to uh, to, to not just stop motion, but it means to open your hands. Uh, I, I think of, uh, uh, I'm a guy, so I think of the, the Braveheart movie. You know, when these warriors are locked in battle with their swords and their spears and their shields, right? They're in this massive conflict. To be still would mean to open your hands. It would mean to surrender your weapons. And what it means is to, to surrender your frantic activity incredibly trusting idea a- and for most of us this this idea is impossible even even if right now created a moment of stillness and just said okay we're not gonna speak we're just gonna have a have a quiet time in here you guys could do that I mean you could sit for a minute we'd get a little bit fidgety um, maybe you could be silent for a few minutes. But, but you'd never really be able to be still because this, this implies more than just our hands. It, it implies our mind, our, our head also. And even if I create a quiet place, you'd have a hard time being still because your brains are already running a thousand miles an hour, right, like mine is. I can make you, I can make you physically be still, but your thoughts are already thinking about how long is Adam going to preach on this? You're already thinking about lunch and everything else. There's a meeting after church and all the other things you've got going on, right? Like even if I physically stop you, your brain keeps going because we've taught our brains to be so busy. We've taught our brains to be frantically busy and our thoughts, our, 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 our thoughts never stop. We, we can't let go. We've become addicts to busyness so, I had this teaching at, at Homewood, and, and I kind of, at, at my home church, and I gave this warning to the church. I said, you know, this idea gets really, really dangerous when we can't cease and be still. Uh, it, it gets really dangerous because what you are doing or achieving becomes too important to stop. And there's some red flags here. Because what I'm doing is suddenly now it's too important for me to be home at dinner on time. What I'm doing, it's too important for me not to take this call. I, I, it's, it's, it's too important for me not to take this, this trip. And here's where it gets really, really dangerous. This is, this is red flag territory. The reason you can't be still is because you have become too important. danger 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 the impact of this idea of i have become too important if you want to see the real impact look to the lives of your kids right aren't we already teaching them to be frantically busy to always be occupied so i gave this teaching and uh, to my home church and and uh, afterward, I had this, uh, this dad come up to me, um, three-piece suit. Um, you could tell he, he was a 60-hour-a-week a, a important guy. You know what I'm saying? And uh, tears in his eyes. And he came up to me and he said, when you were talking about that, that guy who's doing too many important things to stop is, has become too important, he said... Uh, we were sitting on a row with our, with our family in a pew, and he said, "My whole family, my daughters and my wife, they all leaned forward and looked at me." This idea of of rest in the Bible, in 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 a biblical sense, um, isn't a vacation, but but a con- confrontation. Rest, as the Bible presents it, confronts our sense of self, our, our sense of pride in our accomplishments. I think work is important. I think it's important for us to accomplish and build. But rest tells us, okay, but don't put too much stock. We want you to work and work enthusiastically and willingly, but don't get so... There has to be a rhythm. There has to be a balance between work and rest. And so rest confronts our sense of self, the, that part of us that says, I don't need anyone or anything. Isn't that epidemic in our world? Rest confronts that part of us that says, I'll just do it myself. Rest confronts our, our drive to produce, our drive to make, our, our drive to control. It, it, it wants to check and balance our, 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 our drive towards frantic activity and busyness. Rest confronts the idols of work and achievement and self-importance. Are you with me? Rest, at least in biblical theological sense, is designed to remind us of exactly who God is. Look at that passage again from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28. Then Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. What it says is you can go to the beach every day of the year and still be consumed with worry. Are you with me? You you can... You can physically stop and still feel incredibly anxious and wrapped up in your, your own sense of self-importance. I love our earlier in, in Matthew and in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is kind of confronting this idea, these ideas of, of worry and anxiousness and frantic busyness and achieving and producing and creating and controlling. And in Matthew chapter six, Jesus says, "Birds don't worry about what they eat." You know, the flowers aren't worried about what they wear. Why are you so worried about what you will eat or drink or wear? Why are you so anxious and frantically busy? And then Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Don't you know your Father in heaven already knows what you need. So don't worry. Rest can't be found in, in more vacation time. And, and today's teaching isn't about hitting the snooze button again and again and again and again and again. right? The kind of rest the Bible talks about isn't something that comes from an extra hour on Saturday, extra hour of sleep on Saturday morning. But this, the idea of rest from the Bible, true peace, relief from frantic busyness, this idea of ceasing and desisting, hands open, this idea of Sabbath, this, this idea that is that that freedom from anxiety and worry and the desire to this, the self-important desire to produce and control and make is that rest comes from God that kind of rest comes from God. And to gain it, to have it, you must come to Him. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 begins with an invitation. Did you see that? Come to me. I will give you rest. Oswald Chambers is quoted as saying, the attitude of coming is that the will resolutely lets go. There's that open hand, right? The idea of coming to God is to resolutely let go of everything and deliberately commit all of ourselves to him. I posted this question this week on Twitter of given the choice, if God could somehow make a choice, if you, if you could somehow let God choose between all your moments of frantic productivity and a single sincere moment with him, which do you think he would choose? Which do you think he would value more? When you give yourself to him, That is where you find true rest, to rest in him. You won't worry about what you're producing or worry about wasting time because he already knows everything you need. We can find no rest. Uh, And scripture argues this idea, There is no rest until you and I rest in him. God is the owner, the possessor of true rest, and he is inviting you to come to him. He wants to give you rest. So... Your homework this week is to rest in Him. What would that look like? Um, Your homework is not to take an extra nap. Some of you need to wake up right now. Your homework is um, not to plan additional vacation time, although maybe some physical rest would do you good. Your homework is to rest in him. That's what it says in the Psalm 37. It says, rest in him. How can you this re- week, what would it look like for you to rest in him? What would have to change in your schedule? What would it look like for you to come to him? The good news is he's everywhere, so you don't have to make a special trip, but maybe you should just for that purpose. Maybe you should make, a, make an appointment, make a date to come to him to allow him to give you rest. So maybe you take your family to a park and just sit on a bench quietly for a few minutes and pray. Maybe you could do it at a family meal time. When are you making a specific moment to come to him with these kind of hands? Would that change your day? Would that somehow reorganize your priorities? or write them. Your homework this week is to take a vacation from frantic busyness, from self-importance and sufficiency and instead, as a family, find ways to rest in Him. In just a moment, we're going to give you a chance to do exactly that in this time of communion. We have three tables set up with the elements of communion of Christ's body and blood. We In, in a very... Um. powerful sense of ways that I can't even understand or comprehend. We give you a chance to commune with him, to be connected with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, sacrificed for you. We give you a chance to come and and to enter into communion with him, to enter into this rest with him. Uh, men, maybe God's put it on your heart to respond and there's ways, if we can pray for you or serve you, maybe we're ready to give your life to him. We, we want to receive you for that too. If there's ways we can pray for you at other times, man, we, don't want, you to, we, we want you to pursue us and, and lean on us. As we enter into this time of communion, I, I came across this, this verse. It's kind of funny, but it's, it's poetic and it's perfect intro into our, as we wrap up our time together and enter into a time of communion and response. This verse is just a couple of lines, but it says, We mutter and sputter, we fume and we spurt. We, muddle, we mumble and grumble, our feelings get hurt. We can't understand things, our vision grows dim when all that we need is communion with him. Let's pray together. Father God, I come before you right now really honestly and truly extremely humble because I'm no good at this. I would rather produce. I would rather look to what my own hands can do, what my own own thoughts can accomplish. I'd rather do it myself. And God, I, I think every pastor in the world can confess the sin of, of self-importance. What I'm doing, God, is just too important to stop. And so, Father God, maybe there's others here today that, that need to make that same confession. Their priorities have become crooked. We're, we're pursuing all these things. We can fall into a natural rhythm of work really easily and, and comfortably. But Father God, when it comes to, to really trusting you, when it comes to opening our hands to, to being vulnerable before you, when it comes to trusting you with our anxiety or our fear, God, so many people in our world right now, even Christians are, are so fearful. And that's not who you've called us to be. It just shows, God, that we're relying way too much on ourselves that we haven't we haven't achieved that place of of true rest, and so Father God, right now all of us, every person in this room, God, I pray that we would take Your words and in Your amazing prayer in Matthew eleven to heart. That as we take this this enter into this time of communion, we we remember the incredible sacrifice of Your Son Jesus Christ. That Father God, we would all come to You, that we would be still and know that You are God. We would open our hands. God, clear our thoughts of of frantic busyness. Help us to create space to come to you. And in coming to you, Father God, in in this moment and in our meals and and throughout our week, Father God, let us find true rest. Let us receive this incredible gift that you have for us. Father God, we love you so much thank you for for your word. I thank you for the ways it's convicting my heart. I pray that it wouldn't just be words, but it, it would show itself tangibly in the way that I live and the way that I choose to live and my attitude and in and, and, and my priorities. Father God, we love you so much. And in your son Jesus' name, uh, Jesus' name, everyone together says, amen.